0: Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash
1: Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Gmail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And from listeners like you. Thank you. And my free
0: time. Gotta get that in there.
1: Well, Will, I have three ideas for the intro, and they're all bad. They're all terrible. Oh, I, I, had,
0: I had a pretty good
1: one. <laughs> oh, okay. Why don't we go with yours? Because yours might be actually good as opposed to some sort of awful St. Patrick's joke or some awful spring break joke <laughs> or some awful Austin 316 joke for the working man. <laughs> well, uh, I mean,
0: mine, I was just going to say Lucas Uh, I've done something today that I'm extremely proud of and I'd like to share with you.
1: Oh, well, I'm all ears.
0: I successfully found a way to cook chicken breasts.
1: This is way better than any of my ideas. (laughs) All right, what do you do? What's What's your, what's your... I mean, so cooking
0: chicken breasts used to be really difficult for me and I love chicken. So it was just like, you know, I, you know, I would just buy the chicken breasts and either like grill them or try and like fry them because like I didn't know any other way and it would it's su- it's a super uneven way to heat it and it would just never... You're like one
1: of those people in one of those infomercials where it's black and white and you're like there has to be a better way. Turns out there is Spilling a better way. Spilling
0: all over yourself. There is a better way. Uh all you got to do is just put them in, bake them in the oven. I uh, just put them on a put them on a tray, uh slather some olive oil and put some sea salt on them and then just bake them for like half an hour. It's pretty I'm pretty happy with how it You want to know out. what
1: I do? What's up? I, I pre-fry them in the pan, so oil in the pan, put the season the chicken breast, put it in the pan, uh, sear both sides, then put it in the oven. Hmm. A little combo action for you. What do
0: you find that does?
1: Uh, I don't know. That's just how Men's Health Magazine told me how to do it. <laughs> And I've had the picture in my phone of that men's health magazine chicken recipe ever since. And okay. so that's my go to. All
0: right. Well I mean I got it from recipes.com. So There you uh, go. Both sources. And I guess I guess you I guess you can't be a man unless you, <laughs> un, unless you sear something first. <laughs> Welcome everybody to Elwood City Limits. No matter whether you're Men's Health or Recipes.com, we welcome you here uh, to the Episodic Arthur Podcast. Thanks a lot for joining me.
1: Top of the morning to you. In a happy. <laughs>
0: I couldn't help myself. That was that was terrible. <laughs> if that was going to be the the Saint Patrick's Day <laughs> opening, that's especially bad. Oh, uh, and
1: that was like one of the better ones. Ooh. Uh. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, uh, we wish you a happy spring break and a happy three sixteen. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you joining us here today. My name is Will Young, and my 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 decidedly not Irish friend (laughs) is Lucas Mancini. Uh, So we, of course, have our three episodes to talk about today. But before we get to all that, I said to Lucas, I think this is the most listener email that we've gotten for a single episode so far. We have three pieces here. Just want to make our way through them relatively quickly, but of course we want to thank everybody uh, for sending their email over to elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. We start off today with one received last Friday from Josias uh, or Josias. Uh, excuse me if I mispronounced it. He says, Hi, I found out about you guys through the Out of Context Arthur Tumblr blog. Very highly recommended, by the way. And I've been quickly going through your back catalog. I love how genuinely you guys talk about Arthur. Your excitement over the show is really contagious and makes me wish I was around people who watched Arthur as vigorously as I did. Well, you're in good company, friend. I haven't listened to all the episodes yet, so pardon me if this topic is old, but as a kid, I remember a very clear theory over where Elwood City was located. So we've Figured it to be in kind of the Boston area, Massachusetts,
1: Massachusetts New England, for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: But Josiah says, I was convinced it was based on my hometown of Lakewood, New Jersey. Mm. For one, the elementary school is called Lakewood Elementary School of course. In the Marbles Tournament episode, which is several seasons away, Grandma Thora mentions winning a New Jersey tournament, which made me believe that the show itself took place in New Jersey. Even though Elwood looks nothing like Lakewood and the two points I made are the only real support I have, it was enough to get me even more obsessed with the show than I already was. The idea of a cartoon like Arthur taking place in the town I grew up in was mind-blowing, even if it isn't completely believable now. That's Josias from New Jersey. Well, Interesting little ripple in there.
1: It's certainly on the East Coast. I don't think that's totally out of the question, specifically because they have seasons. So any place in America... That has seasons. The East Coast mm-hmm. uh, could be Elwood City. It's it's in every town. Yeah, sort of. absolutely. Any town, USA, very much like Springfield. That's an interesting thing about how you always get more invested in a show if it takes place in a place like where you live, right? Uh, or a... or if if it was like
0: filmed where you live, exactly if, if live action.
1: Uh, there's a show that's popular in America, I believe, Trailer Park Boys. Yes, that's one of the only shows that's ever been filmed where we live. Uh, I
0: don't know about only in fact Halifax and Nova Scotia is used for a location uh in a f- like a lot a lot more than you may think huh. but it but it is famously like Nova Scotian in that like you know it's not like you know Nova Scotia for insert Marine K- K19 the widowmaker yeah like Marine Port town it's just like these <laughs> men these men are from like like Sackville Nova Scotia yeah like, like Explicitly, Thank you very much. Uh, Our next one comes from Nancy from Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, who was also the one who gave us a five-star review on Facebook. Thank you, Nancy. She's been loving the podcast. Uh, She was looking for an Arthur-based podcast for some time now and was so glad when she found us. I've been watching Arthur since it aired back in the day and never stopped watching. Even now, I keep up with Season 20 from the free PBS Kids app. They air it a week or two after it premieres in the U.S. This may come as a shock. I personally do not mind that Arthur switched to Flash-style animation. They still have good stories. I guess we'll have to wait and see on mm-hmm. that one. I found out in the U.S. that you could do a free a week-free trial through Amazon channels for PBS that had all the Arthur episodes, so I binged watch it and even decided to keep it after the trial because the first season took at least a month, and I think we're on over half a year at this point. <laughs> uh, for my binge-watching, I gotta say that I actually like The Brain a lot. He is so evil in the early seasons. Can't wait until you 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 guys get to the episode Love Notes for Muffy that has my favorite evil brain moments. Anyways, thanks for all the hard work. You're welcome. And great insights such as connecting the Frankenstein opening with Nadine's version. I was especially proud of that. Thank you. P.S. Love all the wrestling references. I'm a big wrestling fan.
1: That's good to hear. I'm, I'm, sometimes I worry
0: that we go a little too hard on it. I'm so glad that people <laughs> are okay with our political and wrestling references because that is just part of our everyday vernacular and uh, we we talk like that all the time. It's so. true.
1: We've said before the only reason we don't have a standalone wrestling podcast is because there's already a kajillion but like she just said there's no Arthur podcast so we thought we could plug that there whole in the podcast world. Exactly. I'll also say I haven't really necessarily gotten an evil read from Brain yet with the exception of him building a machine that will kill our Arthur. Yeah. Uh, but
0: that can happen to any <laughs> child genius.
1: Besides that one instance, he hasn't really come off as evil yet. Just not, uh, not, maybe a little too smart for his own good.
0: Not yet, but I guess we'll have to uh, watch him. Yeah, watch and see. For sure. Finally, this one came in under the wire today uh, from Sharia. She says, Hi, Uh, I've always been a huge fan of Arthur. Even now, I still watch some of the old episodes on YouTube. However, I am new to the podcast. So there was one question I had, which I'm not sure has been answered or discussed. Why did Arthur's grandparents not have any spouses? Like, Grandma Thora and Grandpa Dave never mentioned them. Is it presumed that the spouses passed away? Or were Dave and Thora married at one time, but ended up separating or divorcing? I really hope you guys get to answer my question, and thank you. Good question, Shreya. I mean, there's no no real textual evidence for it. I don't think
1: there... At this this point. I'm not sure if she was uh, implying that... Grandpa Dave and Grandma Thora had been married, Mm -hmm. but I definitely don't think they're from same sides of the family. I think Grandpa Dave, we've concluded, is is on Arthur's mom's side.
0: It's mom's father, and Grandma Thora is dad's mother.
1: Yeah, and I think there's actually some pretty good evidence of that, because one of the parents will refer to them as dad, and the Mm -hmm. other one will refer to them as As, mom. mom. So uh, I always assumed, I guess this is coming from my own personal experience, that uh, they're spouses had passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, I only have one grandparent still alive uh, on either side. I pretty much have my entire life. Mm-hmm. So it actually mirrored my life pretty closely. So I guess I never thought too much about it because I don't have a lot of experience with having two grandparents on either side.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm kinda, I'm actually kind of the same way because my father's father died when I was very young. I didn't get to know him and I never knew my mother's father. So it was uh, always my grandmothers that I knew when i was younger unfortunately they've all the exact
1: same way isn't that a funny coincidence
0: they've all since passed away on my side of the family um yeah, I mean I would assume that it's probably a situation where they've passed away and just kind of the thing of uh, getting both sides of the family. And I think it's an interesting situation where you have a grand a grandmother on one side and a grandfather from the other side. And they both kind of represent different ideals like Grandpa Dave is very much uh, down-home kind of country and Grandma Thora is uh, more of just the more of the wisecracking hip granny. But uh, a little toned down. She's not the rapping granny or anything, but she's toned down a little.
1: I do like that they kind of leave it up in the air, though. I mean, one of them could just be out living in Florida somewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's one of those details where sometimes not everything needs to be explained because your mind fills in the unanswered questions. And it makes the world seem a little bit bigger than it actually is.
0: I would love to have an episode, and I have no idea if this ever happens, uh, where gra- where it's like an adventure with Grandma
1: Thora and Grandpa Dave. I'd love to see them interact with each other. <laughs> Little buddy cop, Grandma sure. Thora, yeah. Grandpa Dave. Oh. Solving a mystery at the old folks' home. That's right. Bubba Hotep style. Absolutely.
0: Okay, thank you all for the emails and, of course, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Now let's get into the episodes. The first one is my dad. The garbage man and Arthur Arthur does a cold open for both of these, even though they're not really
1: about him at all about
0: him at all. So we got (laughs) to we got to keep the face of the face that runs the place uh, around here. So he's talking about the perf having the perfect kind of dad. In fact, both of these cold opens are similar in that he's just like, what would it be like if I had if my family was different in some way? I guess my family's okay, but what if dot dot dot? So this one he's talking about what if his dad w- had different kind of not just occupations but like was it, it, was, it was, okay so
1: he gives some really weird <sighs> examples like if i approached your ri- average everyday eight-year-old kid and said, hey, if your dad could be whatever you wanted him to be, what would you pick? I'm sure some of them would be like, I want him to be a firefighter. Or I want my dad to be a millionaire so he could buy me a bunch of stuff. Or a chef. The two examples that Arthur gives here (laughs) are really, really strange. So Specifically the second one. So
0: the first one is a drag racer where he kind of uh, drives... Arthur to school in a Formula One car, like he's Drew Scanlon.
1: That's that's pretty cool. Like Arthur's dad lives his life one mile at a time. <laughs> yeah, I agree with Arthur. That would be pretty cool.
0: Every day with Arthur's dad is a day of thunder. Exactly. And uh, the second one is what if he was a transformer? And it's Arthur looking for uh, like coins on the beach, and then <laughs> all of a sudden Arthur's dad's arms turn into conveyor belts that are just digging up the sand. Finds Arthur a quarter, and then he's like, no. No problem, son.
1: Of all the things, like not only wishing your dad to be a Transformer, but of all the things to get your Transformer dad to do, that'd be cool. Like not turn into a jet like Starscream and fly around. No, you want your Transformer dad to aid you in, in digging up sand a little bit?
0: I think he might be talking about a, a small T Transformer instead of a capital T Transformer trademark. Oh,
1: you know so his I mean? dad's not more than meets the eye. His mm. dad can kind of just... just Morph in general.
0: Yeah, he is uh, additional than what the eye can regard. <laughs> He's more... <laughs> additionally than what could be regarded.
1: He's more Terminator 2 than Galvatron is v- what you're saying. Very
0: much so. Very much so Terminator 2. Uh, and then he talked and then he kind of segues somewhat randomly into Francine's dad, in that he's cool just the way he is, which is how he kind of sets it up. So it's Oliver Frensky uh, playing uh, or teaching Francine a good football spiral, and then going through like kind of like a play with her. Uh, takes a takes a big time Goldberg spear from Francine. Down goes down goes Frensky. She gives him a real good one for an eight year old girl, uh, and then. <laughs> Francine's like, do they let girls play professional football? And he just says, if they don't, we'll just make them. <laughs> like great dad, great dad answer. Like, no, no need to get into the politics of why women can't play professional football. Just like, yeah, we'll just make them. Who so, knows? Who knows? So we get into the episode, and it starts in Mr. Ratburn's class. Everybody's real bored, and then <laughs>
1: the the read on Mr. Ratburn in these two episodes is a little bit. It, it's weird, like. He sounds more like Bueller, Bueller, he does. like I noticed, monotone than he does in other episodes.
0: I noticed that too, especially in this opening scene where he's like, uh, it seems like he got the, his voice actor got the direction to make it even more monotone than normal. I mean, Mr. Ratburn's a pretty expressive voice, a pretty expressive character, but here he was kind of, seemed like he was trying to be extra, extra dull. Eugene
1: uh, Levy, that's what I was thinking of.
0: Well, no, you're actually thinking ben, of oh. Ben Stein. Ben Stein, really? Ben, oh, Stein, okay. ben Stein from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Speaking of Ferris Bueller-ing, it all comes back to Ferris Bueller. Uh... So there's a couple good lines here. Like, first of all, uh, you know, he says, I have some good news. And everybody goes, at this point, they're just like just flinching every time he says something like that. Uh, And this one I really liked. I wrote it down. Uh, He says, as you know, we've spent the past couple of weeks studying careers. (laughs) And There's there's a beat. And then Buster goes, we have.
1: (laughs) That part's so great. And
0: I didn't know if it was like, oh, ha ha, Buster's not paying attention or like, this is the first that Mr. Ratburn's brought this up and Buster's like, wait, when did this happen?
1: I think, I think it's, it's the, uh, I think it's the former rather than the latter. Absolutely.
0: But the way it read sounded like the latter, which was even funnier to me. Uh, So Mr. Ratburn has, you know, a career unit for them, as we used to say in elementary school, like a unit and uh, has decided to enlist the help of three parents uh, to uh, show the kids around their places of work. So Mr. Crosswire, uh, Mrs. Powers, the brain's mom and, uh, Mr. Frensky and, you know, Bink- and then Binky just goes field trip and everybody's real excited about field trips. Cause that's what you get excited about. It's TV day and field trips in, uh, in elementary school.
1: Did you do it? Do you remember any big field trips that you did when you were younger? Uh, we went to, like, the Marine Biology Museum was a big one mm. where everybody would go the to- Maritime The
0: Maritime Museum of the Atlantic?
1: That's right. Everybody go to the touch tank. I've never been there. Wait, no, no, no. We're thinking of different things. The Maritime Museum of the Atlantic is the, like, it's all the old- Ships and stuff. I'm yeah. talking about the, the... The Museum
0: of Natural History.
1: No, that's another good one. That's the like... I, d- I, d- I
0: definitely spent many, many ones there in Halifax, Nova Scotia.
1: I'm talking about the the one with the touch tank where you could hold the sea cucumber. Uh, I think I we've know. talked about this even in previous episodes about how I'm, I didn't want to hold the sea cucumber. It's like... I don't know if I went to that one. It's like a bio... It's a research place and they let kids okay. in and there's a touch tank and they'll let I you think speak. there
0: is a research place in... The H R M where we lived, but I'm not sure. I I don't remember the name of it.
1: Lots of educational benefits. That's all I know.
0: Absolutely, I'm kind of blanking on field trips, but you know, I, it was always it was always a great deal of fun going places. Like uh, especially if we you get to get you get to go to a, like a movie, like a, a movie whoa. I don't know clients. what
1: kind of field trips you were going. I might to. be I might
0: be conflating that with my grade nine trip, which was which is a bit more than a field trip, but. Uh, uh, oh actually okay so this isn't a field trip but I just want to I just want to tell this cuz I like bragging about this. So you would have been like what? 5 or 6 when Star Wars episode 1 The Phantom Menace came out?
1: I would have been what was that 2001 or 2000?
0: 1999.
1: 1999 I would have been like 4.
0: Okay. So you had you hadn't watched Star Wars at that point I'm guessing. No. Okay. So I was I was turning I was eight going on nine okay and so that was the time when you know your buddies would have birthday parties and they would kind of invite a, a large circle of people
1: I did that with the Emperor's New Groove
0: nice all oh, the Emperor's New Groove's a dope movie man <laughs> so my buddy Josh was gonna go see uh, Star Wars episode one but he could only invite one friend and okay. he invited me And the only time that we could go see Star Wars Episode I was on a school day in the afternoon. So who got to leave class to go see Star Wars Episode I, The Phantom Menace? I did. That to me that sounds more
1: like a punishment than anything kind of funny. But you see, when I was a kid, I didn't care. Oh, I get and, it. He, and you were like, the the cartoon rabbit is funny. He stepped in the
0: poopy. Well, it's more like it's like the pod racing is super cool and not at all horribly drawn out and superfluous. <laughs> at, no, at the you t- were
1: like, Metaclorians awesome! But at the time it was
0: Star Wars, and it was just like, this is awesome! <laughs> oh. so, I, so I didn't care. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to go off in that tangent, I just really like bragging about that story, because that was one of the most the best things that happened to me uh, in that year of school. Back at Francine's place, uh, Catherine is dismayed that Francine's friends will find out that her dad is a garbage man. She Fra- says, have you no pride? <laughs> have you no pride? Uh, Francine initially is totally okay with the fact that uh, Oliver Frensky is a garbage man. Like she doesn't have any like shame over it or something. She doesn't see
1: what the big deal is.
0: Yeah. But Catherine and and this makes sense is that Catherine is a bit embarrassed about it because of course she is at least in junior high if not a teenager and she and I imagine that that's could manifest itself in a lot of embarrassment Uh, you know saying that your dad's a garbage man. So she probably hides that fact very well and uh, you know, tr- is, is trying to convince Oliver to get a different kind of job. And uh, so, which is causing Francine to doubt as well because of Catherine's embarrassment. So she's wondering if there is something to be embarrassed about. Uh, they go outside. Oliver Frensky is uh, uh, collecting some garbage, as you do. Uh, and, you know, Catherine says, When are you going to get a real job? And, you know, Oliver's just like, A real job? You mean like, you know, where I have to wear a suit and tie and. Don't get home to seven o'clock and are too tired to play with you, and then he says, "I can't do it, Catherine. <laughs> I can't get a real job because I don't know how to tie a tie. No one ever showed me how." Yes, yeah, fake
1: cry is real good.
0: I, I like. I have to say, and I and I apologize because I meant to write this down. Uh, in these two episodes, Oliver Frensky's voice actor is doing a fantastic job. I think that he's such even just through the voice if not through the also the appearance of him he's portrayed as this such an awesome character and I really think it's over the top because or it goes over the top because or over the top is has kind of bad connotations I think, It goes above and beyond because of the vocal performance, and I really want to commend it here, that actor. I just did not write down their name.
1: I'll also say that the writers are walking an interesting tightrope for pretty much this whole episode. Uh, It's kind of an adult topic, embarrassment over a working class job. Yeah. And I think they handle it with the right amount of levity. Like Mm -hmm. Oliver, like... He's not embarrassed or worried that his daughter's embarrassed of him at all. He's just kind of joking about it. Yeah. He loves what he does. But I also think it's interesting that really, if this was real, I can't really see someone being embarrassed of the actual act of being a garbage man. In yeah. real life, it would be more like purely financial. And we kind of get into that in the next episode too of like working class jobs. You kind of make less. It's 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 working collar work. Um, I don't know what kind of – Uh, post-secondary education you have to do to be a sanitation officer. But I I imagine it's not the same as, I don't know, like a neurosurgeon or something. And I'm not trying to disparage anybody who does that. I think as we've learned in these two episodes and the last week's episodes, uh, it's very, very important work. Absolutely. And I think these episodes actually do a great job of showing a story where there's these kids with anxieties, about Mm. their parents being working class. And I think they do it in a really respectful uh, way where as a kid you wouldn't even notice it. You kind of just notice Oliver Frensky is being joking, mm-hmm. Catherine is being weirdly dismissive, and eventually Francine is worried about it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. But as a kid, you don't even realize you're being taught this lesson. I think that's this episode's strength.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a it's a deft use of a light touch. Mm-hmm. So the first parent who is uh, doing this field trip is uh, Ed Crosswire of Crosswire Motors. So There's a
1: great transition where as Oliver's talking about how he can't even tie a tie, we get a hard cut to...
0: Uh, ah, to Ed Crosswire straightening his tie. Yeah, good point. I didn't. I I, I missed that. Uh, so he, Ed Crosswire welcomes the kids with like a band, and I thought it was weird. So the tuba player seems to have confetti in like the bellows of the tuba or whatever you call it, and I'm just like I wonder. Does sound get through? Like
1: I've do, seen that before. That's okay. like a ceremonial thing. All right, okay.
0: Uh, so he kind of does this overwrought introduction to Crosswire Motors. You know, it's it takes hard work, it <laughs> takes commitment, and he's and then he's like, it's like it takes staying open uh, until ten o'clock Sundays and holidays. Which man. Crosswire Motors sounds like a terrible job.
1: Are you saying they need to unionize, possibly?
0: Uh, That's not for me to say, but (laughs) my God, that sounds just awful. Working Sundays, every Sunday and every holiday until 10.
1: Crosswire Motors is like the Japanese car company in gung-ho. I
0: don't know what that is.
1: Michael Keaton? You have never seen Gung Ho?
0: I've you've not even heard of this. It's a
1: movie in the 80s where a Japanese car company purchases an American car company and uh-huh. they try to run them like a Japanese car company. And Michael Keaton's like, "We need to take breaks. We got to build these cars like Americans." You never see It's not very good, but
0: I fits the scenario, like I I've I no doubt that it's Of entertaining to some degree, but even just the name gung-ho and the premise. The name gung-ho
1: is actually totally a misnomer because gung-ho is a Chinese phrase. Yeah, that's... (laughs) Anyway, it's it's a movie that could only exist in the 1980s.
0: That sounds exactly what that is, but I'll look it up later. Uh, So while they're walking around inside, uh, Ed says, uh, you know... If if you get if you get nervous, just put your head between your knees and breathe deeply. And we get a shot of Buster trying to do that while he's walking, and just like a can't be done. <laughs> I always like that. He kind of he kind of tours them around to like the sales floor, uh, the strategy room where they're trying to like basically the marketing room. And just kind of these places where people are like, you know, nothing's happening, so they're super bored, and then these people who are so cynical that they're just like, so what if the engine falls out? Once again it it's off the lot, it's their problem. And this just leads me to the question, how is Crosswire Motors profitable? How is Ed Crosswire a millionaire? Like what number are we talking about in the millions of is he embezzling?
1: Well, I wonder if this is his only business because I thought I—I I always was under the assumption that the Crosswire Empire had its hands in all sorts of different pots. They I haven't didn't know he was just a car dealership. They haven't—they
0: haven't said that yet. But it's like really, and okay, I mean, I know I've made this comparison a whole bunch of times, but it really is just like. It really is pre-presidency Donald Trump of just all of these 90s Trump. Yeah. Yeah. All of these money losing ventures (laughs) and and but somehow still a millionaire. And you're like, how does this work exactly? I mean, I'm sure there is a way that it, quote unquote, worked for real life, Mr. Crosswire. But Mr. Crosswire absolutely has to be some form of parody against Donald Trump. It has to be it, It's because it's, at the time when it was made, he was still fairly ubiquitous.
1: And like, you know, movies like Wall Street were popular, Gordon Gecko, That whole archetype was that, like that was a bit early, that
0: was a bit earlier in the 80s. But you're not wrong. Absolutely. And it was still like a public kind of figure. So, yeah, I have no idea how Crosswire Motors is profitable. <laughs> I did note that it was from that. The sign says since 1965 uh, and at the end of the tour, uh, he offers to let the kids drive Some top-of-the-line vehicles in the parking lot. I noted in this group shot that Francine is just completely disappeared and then reappears in a later uh, cut back to the group.
1: As he's introducing the kids to the cars that he's going to let them drive, he goes – Here's the piece de resistance. That's French, you know.
0: (laughs) We don't even get resistance. It's resistance.
1: Oh, man.
0: The piece de resistance.
1: Mr. Crosswire's pronunciation's just about as good as mine.
0: Mm. Uh, So on the bus to the Brain's mom's ice cream shop, uh, Sue Ellen asks Francine what her dad does. And then a stinky garbage truck drives by and everybody's like, ew. And then Francine quickly distracts them by saying, uh, guess what, everyone? I can spit my gum in the air and catch it, and then accidentally spits it on the bus roof. Bet that bus driver wasn't happy about that.
1: He's not getting paid enough to care. Uh, the kids weren't very impressed, though. They were like, whatever.
0: Well, it wasn't really anything. She just <laughs> spit her gum on the bus. I don't know if I could do that, though. It's Have you ever
1: tried to, like, spit gum in a roof and see if it's, it would stick?
0: No, because no. It would just probably do- slip
1: off from the saliva.
0: No, because I don't want to lose my gum. The only time I ever tried to do that is when I've tried to do the Mr. Perfect gum swat. Oh, yeah. I think I might have done that once, and, you know, that was after many wasted wads. Uh, So they go to wads of gum, Lucas. Oh, my God. Uh, So they (laughs) – they go to the ice cream shop, and their project for that day is that they're going to create a brand new flavor in honor of Mr. Ratburn, and it will be called Rocky Ratburn. And this is, it's a great thing. She's just like, hereby known as Rocky Ratburn, and it's just a cut back to Mr. Ratburn. Like, he's all he's, like, he's got his eyes closed in happiness, and then he just kind of opens one and just like, hey, wait a
1: minute. Oh, that's the name we're going with? Okay. So This Ro- whole scene reminds mm-hmm. me, uh, I know you've said this before, you haven't seen Nathan for you, but the pilot episode of... Nathan for you. Is him going to help a frozen yogurt business? It's one of those like you know, build your own frozen yogurt with all the toppings Yeah, and they want to grow their business and so he says well for a day why don't you just sell a, a poop flavored frozen yogurt <laughs> and so they let him into like the food lab where Ooh. they scientifically using food science make a flavor of frozen yogurt that tastes like human feces and so uh, this Gross. reminded me Ed especially the final product of the Rocky wrapper and flavor this reminded me of that Nathan for you episode.
0: So the re- process of making Making Rocky Ratburn is that they're in front of this giant like vat basically and they're uh, like getting into these shelving units that have or like these almost little drop slots that have food ingredients in them so Uh, And Buster is, of course, like the head surgeon. He's got like the surgeon mask on and like the goggles and stuff. So uh, at first they put in a whole pizza into the vat. And and then it's like every time they put in an ingredient, they put in like basically Neapolitan flavors, vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry. And then they put in like a whole like sixer of bananas, skins and all. And then – that's, now, that's the only two that we saw, but then it comes out with this crazy, like, grime-colored, uh, like, brown-gray uh, ice cream with all these parts jutting out of it. Like, there's uh, different parts of it. So we, so, we know it's, like, Neapolitan ice cream flavors, pizza, bananas. You can see sorted candies in there, like one of those uh, red ribbon mints. And what looks like could be gummy worms, but you know what? I'm just going to say they're probably caramelized onions. As, is,
1: is this the one where there's a chicken foot sticking out of it? No,
0: that's a different one. Okay. There is not a chicken foot in this one.
1: I remember vaguely an episode of Arthur where there's ice cream with a chicken foot sticking yes, out of it. Yes, yeah, absolutely. But I will say this is pretty realistic if you've ever gone into a pink berry or any of those frozen yogurt places and they have all those chop toppings for you to put on. Yeah. Uh, there's always that temptation. It's really less is more with those places. Absolutely. Like you got to control yourself. Like, okay, strawberries and pieces of pop tart on like a french vanilla pigberry that's a, that's that all great. you need but that the problem great. is you see all those candies all those fruits and you you start to go a little crazy
0: it has to make coherent sense like the, your, your ice cream has to have a story to it but exactly. when when you're a ki- when you're a kid <laughs> when you're a kid it's all excess so this but that's when you learn that's when you learn of like you and know that's how
1: they get you cuz they make you pay by
0: weight exactly and that and, but, but like I was saying, that's how you learn when you're a kid is that, like, putting everything together kind of doesn't taste like anything. You need to have, like, a coherent theme, like I said, a story to the ice cream flavor you're creating. And then it becomes m- much more satisfying in the long run than just putting in everything. Or And that and that goes for, you know, like, basically any all-you-can-eat or design-your-own whatever the heck. By the way, Arthur Meme Alert here, uh, Mr. Ratburn's face when he licks the ice cream cone. I've definitely seen a screen cap of that where he's just like, ugh uh Very unusual, he calls it, so Francine is not looking forward to having the kids uh go to the dump to see Oliver frensky's job and then has this this <laughs> an imagination sequence that I remember to this day because it's hilarious, and I was laughing through this whole thing because yeah, it's me just too. so it's just she imagines her dad in his typical enthusiastic manner, just being like, "You thought inventing ice cream was fun? Well, get a
1: load of this free disgusting garbage!" <laughs> it's it's so bizarre because it's like she applies the logic of the other trips to like the dump so it's like oh they got free ice cream at the last trip he's gonna be giving away trash i guess like and then uh, oh this part's gross too the next thing he says
0: and, and and he says and now let's hike through a pit of trash take off your shoes kids so you can squish the rotten cheese between your toes so and, oddly it, and, it ends on, and then afterwards, we can hike through the diaper section. It's, it's hilarious. So Francine <laughs> is very worried, tries to ask her mom to um, have her dad call off the uh, the field trip. But her mom says that she needs to talk to her dad about that, needs to go directly to the source. And her dad is practicing with a, uh, well, he's just using a tennis ball machine that he repurposed to for, to shoot baseballs instead so that Francine can practice her they have swing. That shoot,
1: they have ones that shoot baseballs in the first place. Oh, okay. Place. Well, you
0: know what? You're absolutely right. I don't know what I was thinking.
1: A little batting cage <laughs> action, yeah, absolutely. action.
0: Absolutely. So now they... They've repurposed one from the dump, and he's just firing it at the wall. Which is like, if that, <laughs> if that was close enough, and that was like got enough velocity, that could like stick in the wall, and that would n- uh, be no good
1: for sure. I don't think you're getting your deposit back. No way! Firing baseballs at yeah. your wall—that is absolutely going to at least dent. It doesn't matter what the velocity is. No. I'll tell you what, though, I agree with Mister Fredsky. Why would someone throw that away?
0: Mm. Unless they didn't need it, I guess. But
1: I guess.
0: Just, uh, just the chance. This is
1: pre Craigslist, so
0: yeah, that's true. So, but Francine doesn't doesn't have the heart to tell him right now. Uh, on the bus the next day, as they go to the dump, uh, Buster asks, "Is your dad a garbage man?" And Francine says, "You know, can you keep a secret? My dad's a part of a very secret organization. It's so secret, he can't even say the name." And Buster's like, "The FBI." <laughs> And then she's
1: like, it's like, whatever you do, don't blow it. Or, you know, does like the finger across the throat thing. I was actually into this excuse. And a part of me wished there was like an alternate universe version of this episode where this – came at the start of the episode. So Francine kind of had to pretend her dad was a secret agent the whole time. It's a really funny, like, comedic device to mm-hmm. be like, he only looks like a garbage man. He's actually with the NSA. Like, right. a part of that, something about that is really, really funny. He's black ops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this looks like a dump. It's actually a black site. Yeah, uh, a I, blackwater I, site. For, for some reason, like... Uh, that's really, really funny to me. I also think it's hilarious that Francine's like, you don't even know the name of it. And Buster's like, the FBI? Like, he immediately starts to try and guess the name. Right.
0: So the kids are not exactly thrilled with where it is. It does smell and, you know, Muffy kind of steps in something. Uh, But it's clear from Oliver's pitch that, like, he's not being... Like facetious about the fact where he lives. He genuinely loves being a garbage man. Like he did, de- it's like, you know, Sue Ellen says it smells here. And he's like, you're right, earth and compost and smoke. <sighs> like he genuinely just loves it. And then he shows him a couple perks of the job, like uh, driving a bulldozer and using a uh, uh, crusher to make good, to compact the garbage.
1: Another uh, example of Arthur being ahead of its time, all the kids are mystified by this hydraulic crusher, much like. Thousands, if not millions of people are today on YouTube watching that channel that just shows a video of a hydraulic press crushing different things. Mm, I don't think I've ever seen that. They try to crush a phone book and it explodes and breaks their camera. Oh, man. I got to see that. Yeah. Like everything else. It doesn't matter if it's like a titanium metal thing crushes it. Some of the strongest things in the world. You're like, oh, my goodness. How are they going to crush this one? Crushes it into a flat little plant sure. cake. Yeah. But a phone book. Don't try and crush a phone book with a hydraulic press.
0: It really does take Superman to bend a phone book in half. Uh, and he kind of takes him through his tour and wins him over a little bit. And, you know, he's got this very utopian ideal for what you can use for garbage because he even says one day we could even build cities and roads from compacted trash, which is a neat idea. I don't know what the logistics of it, but that would be something nice to work towards to be able to use our waste to uh, build ourselves back up.
1: What was the thing from uh, Back to the Future that ran on garbage? Mr. Fusion. Yeah, Mr. Fusion.
0: Yeah, the Mr. Fusion reactor is awesome. All you need is like just literally any kind of random garbage. It's great. Uh, And then he reveals that he spent time making this awesome playground made entirely out of repurposed trash, basically. And that completely wins the kids over because it's a pretty, pretty dope uh, pretty dope playground. And uh, Francine kind of feels bad that she ever doubted her dad and kind of makes a joke of like, maybe I should, maybe I should take Catherine's advice and get a job that makes me wear a tie and a briefcase. And this is like hugs and it's all good. And they we end off the episode with them doing what must be easily the most dangerous part of this playground. It's Oliver just hoofing these third graders like, like lawn dart style onto a trampoline into a styrofoam pit that looks a little too far away <laughs> like, like I'm just I'm just expecting like the brain to be pitched onto this trampoline make it almost all the way over to the styrofoam pit and then like just ooh hit the corner fracture his back on the corner yikes it's uh you know and he throws Francine over there He just like Buster's like is he really with the FBI and Francine <laughs> says no he's actually a garbage man so that's the end of that episode and now a word from us kids This one's talking about uh, their kids' parents' jobs, so different things that they do. Um, You know, one of them is uh, a mail carrier, a nurse. um. One kid actually ends up advertising his father's plumbing business on national television. That's
1: right. I was surprised they let the dad, like, they showed the logo. Yeah. I thought it would be some generic picture of a dad plumbing, but it's like, I didn't write it down. I wish I wrote it down. We should figure out if that place still exists.
0: (laughs) Oh, I I Uh, didn't even think of that. Yeah, because, like,
1: it's the details and everything. And you know what? If we googled that plumbing business, I bet it would tell us where it was. Yeah, and it could be another clue. Of when and they filmed this where from? Us, where that from us kid kids.
0: very well could have taken over the family plumbing business. There you
1: go. That We're one. gonna have some detective work to do for next episode. Ooh. We'll follow up with that.
0: This calls for Will Young and Lucas Mancini, Private Eyes. The the girl who has a nurse for a mother uh, has trouble pronouncing the word stethoscope. Just. You know, just a kid thing. Not like that's not like I'm not kid tr- thing. I'm just not trying to make fun of her, but it's just like you know, it takes. I a little I, I
1: don't think I could do it on the spot, like cold, like no warm up. Let's see. Oh, right, here we go. S- stethoscope. There you go. Okay, you, there we go. You said so, it a little bit, but I understand. See C- anemone. See. C- never moving on. See anemone. Moving on. See anemone, but I don't that, think you did it right. I think you messed it up too. Anemone. Now it just doesn't sound like a real word. So we got to move on. Okay.
0: It is a real word, but I understand that is a tough one. And then we get to our second half of the episode, which is one that we were looking forward to, if only if only, just in the sense of, like, all right, let's try and deepen Muffy's character a little bit with poor Muffy. Uh, again, Arthur starts this episode off by wondering what it would be like to live with a different family.
1: So before that, he's holding all this stuff. It's like, cleaning right. his room and right. he's being super pouty about it, like he's mumbling to himself. Yeah. He sounds like Paul Rudd in Wet Hot American Summer where he has to pick up the plate off the floor. And he's like, oh. And he's like throwing himself around. He doesn't want to do it.
0: That's right. I always thought this this sounded weird because he's just like, <laughs>
1: like he
0: really is just like grumbling about cr- cleaning his room. It's weird but, <laughs> and, it, and he's just like so what if he lived with the brains family and this is an opportunity in these two little cutaways uh, to draw Arthur's head on different character models because it clearly is just Arthur's head on the brains body or at least
1: wearing the cl- brains clothes sure I loved this detail of like because he lives with these parents they now dress him <laughs> yeah and so now he dresses like the brain or binky it's
0: well and it, it goes a little further with Binky's, but first the brain he's cleaning his Room, he finds a new species of mushroom under his uh, under his bed uh, to which uh, Brain's father says, I told you to let the robot clean up. Now you have more time for homework. And it's like, thats I'm
1: sure that's how br- the Brain lives. It's like a monkey's paw. He got to <laughs> have a robot clean his room, but now he has more time to Do homework he doesn't want to do. Absolutely.
0: Then he wonders what it would be like to live with Binky's family. This one really is we just put Arthur's head on Binky's body because it's like you see Binky and he's playing rather noisily with these two action figures. Like just smashing them together and making these incoherent noises. Then Arthur comes in the room and he's just the same size and like the same body shape as Binky. And yeah, same, same, same clothes, yeah. Arthur Arthur's
1: been getting some of those Mexican supplements, some of that TRT, because <laughs>
0: he is a rip. Some of that, no, I was going to say some of that Stree Overlord, but definitely not that. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and this is another case of the voice actor having to act as Arthur pretending to be somebody else, <laughs> so he has to put on the Binky voice a little bit. He's like, get out of here, Binky. I need to clean the room. Like, he, it sounds like a teamster. Uh, and so he actually puts one over <laughs> He puts one over on Binky here because he's like, you know, I got to clean the room. And then Binky's like, how come you clean the room? And he's like, I dibs did first. And they just do like a did not did two kind of thing. And then Arthur's kind of like, all right, if you really want to clean it, I guess you can clean it this one time. And so he fools Binky into doing his chores for him. Uh, and then the cold open ends with Arthur having put away all of his stuff and then DW opens his uh, the drawer where he just put everything away and like seemingly piled it to the uh, to the breaking point she opens it and she gets buried under all of his stuff
1: all the crap brothers
0: yeah 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 very much like a zaboomafu, a zaboomafu amount think, of uh, things in that closet
1: I think that's the third time we've used that reference like, third,
0: third is a little low <laughs>
1: Hey, it's a it's a popular gag, I guess.
0: I guess so. It's a running a running theme. We go to Muffy and Francine, who are at Muffy's uh, place, and they're having a tea party. And we get a bunch of a bunch of teases here of uh, you know Muffy is bringing hot chocolate, but she's about to sneeze, (laughs) so she's about to drop everything. And like she does that, she does like she does the wind up for the sneeze a lot. And I imagine that if. This isn't true for me, but I imagine if Muffy's voice is not something you like to listen to, hearing her about to sneeze for thirty seconds is probably pretty annoying.
1: I thought it was funny, especially when she is about to sneeze, she stops, and then she passes the family of birds. Yes, and then she's about to sneeze, and the birds all look worried. They all no, they all
0: like fly fly away or like duck in the nest or something. And then finally, she make, does a big sneeze while she's holding the hot chocolate, and she drops it. So she and her family are trying to figure out what exactly she's allergic to. Uh, at one point, at one point, her mother just hands her a wad of cash, and I'm like, I think you would have known by now. Uh, <laughs> well, it, isn't
1: like. Uh, Muffy really disturbed by the idea that she might be allergic to money. Her
0: her father is, he's like, he's like, not funny, Millicent. (laughs) (laughs) It
1: reminds me of that episode of Franklin. Do you remember the show Franklin? Yeah. Where one of them, it was either Bear or Franklin had allergies. Okay. And, um, I think the, the theory that one of them had was like, I must be allergic to Bear. I'm allergic to my best friend. Oh no. Uh, I don't think
0: that was the case though. Okay. Uh, Franklin, or as it is in French, Benjamin. Oh, we watched we watched episodes of Benjamin in French
1: class. Wasn't a fan. Even as a kid, I was like, oh, this Franklin guy is kind of a wuss."
0: I kind of like I kind of liked it, but more of more of like I liked the pictures and the books. You know, the character of Franklin, I can take him or leave him.
1: The one thing I like about Franklin, quick aside, is there was a hilarious joke in Franklin where. Uh, Franklin was friends with a character that was a snail. Okay. Uh, and the snail, was, they were both talking about their home lives. Uh-huh. And snail was talking about, it takes my parents all day to get to the mailbox and like all night to go back. and it, Which is kind of morbid when you think about it. Yeah. But I thought it was like a funny little joke about, oh, snails are slow. Uh, I don't know. That's my sense of humor. That's a little
0: dark. <laughs> uh, so we, So but this is where we can confirm that Muffy's parents are named Ed and Millicent Crosswire. Uh, And then they finally, Francine finally figures it out that the new carpet that they have uh, installed is what's making Muffy allergic. So they need to get the carpet uninstalled. Uh, Ed Crosswire says that they can stay at the Elwood Arms, which is apparently very tacky. But this is where Francine kind of steps up and says, why can't uh, Muffy can stay in my place? First of all, volunteering her place to be stayed at. Just like, better ask your parents. They could very well say no.
1: Right, especially in an apartment where there isn't yeah. a, there
0: isn't a spare bedroom. There isn't an abundance of room. Uh, but apparently they do agree. And as soon as Francine gives her an inch, Muffy takes a mile. She has <laughs> her... Um, her servants move in basically every comfort from home for her like they're moving in statues an armoire uh a t-
1: two TVs and these are 90s TVs so these are these giant with heavy the, CRT the, televisions yeah with the big
0: backs on them and yeah. like antennas and stuff it is out of control and in fact uh you know Francine says "Muffy you already brought a TV" and Muffy says "What if I want to watch two things at the same time?" This is this is before the previous channel button or picture in picture in picture, picture. that feel like that was at least a little farther off previous channel. That was just a gleam in uh, uh, TV uh, manufacturer's eyes. We already kind of start off on a bad foot here because as she's moving her stuff in, Catherine, who is in the same room as Francine, is, you know, kind of passive aggressively being like, you know. You know, there was barely enough room before you came here. And then Muffy says, Catherine... Which is a
1: good point, yeah, especially if she's bringing two CRT televisions Mm -hmm. and an armoire.
0: And like a statue of Venus de Milo. And then she says, Catherine, how would you like your own room? And then just moves Catherine over to her place.
1: So at first I was a little bit confused about this. They explain it better later, but in this one scene she says, Catherine, how would you like your own room? And there's like a smash cut to Catherine laying down in a bed. Mm -hmm. But it, it wasn't exactly clear at the time that this What like oh so is Catherine staying at Muffy's place by herself without anybody else there? I I was I was a little bit confused about this. Uh,
0: Yeah, so then as as we continue on here, like she's making Francine move her stuff around. Uh, you know, Francine has to kind of yell at her a little bit. I'm not your servant. Then they go to dinner and Muffy starts bad mouthing leftovers. And this is where we were starting to reach a breaking point because, hey, you can uh, you can uh, let me be your jockey all you want. But you start to bad mouth leftovers
1: in my house. Uh, uh. That ain't going to fly. It's not just these it's not just that she's badmouthing the even concept of leftovers. She's just like being super rude, it's, especially yeah. when you're
0: eating someone else's cooking. She is ruthless to Francine's living condition,
1: well, but it's like it's just super, like rude. Like it if is. someone puts food in front of you, you're not like, oh, you expect me to eat that. And so I had, like eyebrows up. Mouth agape, and then it cuts to Francine's reaction. And she is making it was like a mirror image of my face. Yeah. Just just reacting
0: to what uh, Muffy was saying. Just can't believe what she's saying. And then we get another vomitrocious here. And then of course she also can't believe that Francine's family only has basic cable, which amounts to three channels. (laughs)
1: Uh
0: and and they and it's just like they leave the apartment and Muffy's just like Movies like no VCR, no video games. I think we studied this period in school, and it's just like, well, and there's a there's you know, kind of a reason why Francine's so sporty is because there's not a whole lot going on inside her house. Like, if you had a VCR, okay, there you watch, go, watch movies all day.
1: That's true. But the world's uh, your oyster, be kind,
0: rewind. That's right. Uh, so. Uh, Mr. Frensky is out there, tosses a football to Francine, and then Muffy suggests that they go get ice cream. Uh, Francine says that Friday nights are ice cream nights, but then uh, Oliver decides to break with tradition, get some ice cream right now. They go to the Brains Mom's ice cream shop. Muffy asks
1: for a scoop of ham ripple. Maybe that's like, we don't listen. We don't know it could be one of those things where it's called ham ripple, but because it looks like a ham pattern like crisscrosses I don't we don't know necessarily if it's ham flavor.
0: Well with the flavors we've gotten so far, I'm really like uh, uh, my I'm very suspicious and
1: I hate to be devil's advocate again, but the more I think about it, like if it's like a honey ham that might not be so bad. You can mix. Ham ham's one of those meats where I'm, you can I'm, mix it with, it doesn't staring, have to be savory. I'm staring
0: a hole through Lucas right now. Honey baked ham ice cream doesn't sound so bad.
1: It, it, honestly, I would try it. I could think of way more disgusting things than a honey baked flavored ice cream. Well, I
0: hope you and your honey baked <laughs> ham ice cream are very happy together.
1: You got to broaden your horizons, Will. Not that broad.
0: <laughs> I draw the line. There's, a, there's already a great ripple ice cream and it's butterscotch ripple. Thank you. Uh, but you know, Fr- Francine as Muffy's getting her ice cream is just like, does this mean we can have t- uh, ice cream night every Tuesday night? And her dad's like, no, w- but we need to make, try and make Muffy as uh, comfortable here as she can be. Uh,
1: And at this point, I'm starting to think, like, I get that Francine's parents are super nice and patient. I was going to say, Francine's
0: parents are saints.
1: But I think they might be given, like you said before, you give Muffy an inch, she takes a mile. I think they might be giving her a little too much leeway. Mm -hmm. But, uh, like, they're trying, this episode is trying to make you not be super, super mad at Muffy. Because they're trying to set it up with the context of, okay, Muffy... She doesn't really know any better because of the lifestyle she lives. She doesn't really understand. And they kind of get deeper into this later on in the episode. She doesn't really understand Francine's way of life. It's not necessarily that she knows she's being rude, but I don't think they earn it that much.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's a big problem I have. And we'll get to it at the end here. In fact, we get to that, that kind of character trait of Muffy's when, uh, you know, Francine's in the bath and Muffy's all done hers. And then she asks, Mr. Frensky, like... She basically asked him how come your family doesn't have as much money as mine. Like she genuinely Which I was
1: horrified she at She
0: genuinely it. doesn't understand why some people are rich and some people aren't.
1: Which at first I was like super horrified because it's super rude to yes. be like, why don't you have as much money? But then I thought about it a little bit more and I like, okay, I, I see what I see what's going on here. Muffy doesn't have the context.
0: Yeah, she does and she doesn't understand how like people's careers work and stuff like that. And Oliver, like a real like we're t- we're talking a real salt of the earth guy, because he just kinda talks her of just like I know that there are some perfectly nice people who are rich and some perfectly nice people who aren't. And then he even says, like, the reason why he's so happy with a job like Garbage Man, other than the, you know, the thought that he really does enjoy the work, is that, like, what would I do with all that money? Would I be able to buy more time to spend with my kids? And, you know, it's just like, no, but you could get more TV channels. You're just like, I don't really, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not really into <laughs> does, that.
1: I, I don't really need HBO.
0: Yeah, No, he and he doesn't. He like he genuinely is okay, just working his job and then coming home to spend time with his family. He's like he's a solid dude. Like this is Oliver Frensky minus his haircut is dad goals for me someday <laughs> like I would hope to I would strive to be as good a dude as Oliver Frensky is and I really it's it's weird like how when I was a kid you know I looked up to some characters like Arthur or what have you now I'm looking up to the parents like Oliver Frensky the, the older characters are just like I want to be that when I grow up more grow out, I guess I should say. The next day, Francine and Muffy are going to go walk to school, and then Muffy says, walk all the way to school? And she has her limo pick her up. Francine actually basically beats her to school, and she's like, how did you get here so fast? And we get confirmation that Francine's apartment building is right down the street from Lakewood Elementary, because this it's within really... shouting distance of her mother, who says that Francine forgot her lunch.
1: The reveal's great, too, because it's like a pan over, and it's like, oh, there's Francine's apartment, like... Mm-hmm. Not but two blocks away from school.
0: The next the next little scene is that Muffy is taking up so much electricity that it causes a blackout in their apartment.
1: That's right. She blows the circuit.
0: Yeah, she's using like a foot massager, a hair dryer, a television, and uh, then everything blows out, and she has to get her uh, limo driver to describe what's happening on the cartoon she was watching, to which I was like, really hope that the Frenskis have utilities in on their lease <laughs> or else their, their electric, electric bill is going to be in trouble. And then finally, the breaking point comes when Muffy is playing her. So, OK, okay. I'll interrupt you there. I got to set this up. <laughs> All right, go ahead. So
1: at this point, I'm getting a little frustrated because, uh-huh. as I've said before, I was looking forward to learning a bit more about the Muffy character. Yes. So she wasn't so two dimensional. Yep. Well, I didn't really get my wish, but we did learn something about Muffy, and that's that she loves jock jams. <laughs> something I wouldn't expect.
0: Jock jam, Like, I know what jock jams are, but, like, you, like... This is
1: totally... It sounds like a jock jam. Yeah? Like, you couldn't see this during a 90s basketball montage. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. I, it sounded more
0: like, and I, I, you're, you're more in tune with music than I am, but it almost sounded like if you mixed punk with 80s new wave.
1: Oh, see, I totally got to like... A Oh, see, I really have to hear the song again. But in my mind, but, but it's like it a, sounded it's like... It's
0: like a, y'all ready for this? Duh, yeah, yeah. Duh, 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 duh. It was duh, 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 like halfway duh, duh.
1: through that. Sam Storm to Rude, like, I like to move it, move it. Oh, like, so, total, oh, so,
0: oh, so like late 90s
1: house. Just, yeah, total jock jam. Techno. Like, like yeah.
0: Maybe it's a, it's a little bit of everything. It's y'all very, ready for this? It's very avant-garde. But she's playing it incredibly loudly so that Francine's downstairs neighbors can hear it. And that's kind of...
1: Downstairs British neighbor.
0: Yeah, she does. She's like, this is your neighbor from downstairs. What's going on? So Francine and Muffy finally have have it out in a bit of an argument of just like, you know, Muffy saying like, I can't, I can't like use my electrical things and now I can't listen to my music. And then Francine's like, look Muffy, if you don't like it here, why don't you just go home?
1: Which like- Heck yeah, Francine. Francine is 110% justified in her attitude in this conversation. I'm not sure if we're supposed to be like, wow, Francine's being so harsh. But Francine's, like, totally in the right here. Muffy's being completely unreasonable. Exactly. And then she even says, like,
0: and speaking of being rude, like, Muffy's like, well, maybe I will. I'm pretty tired of being poor anyway.
1: Yeah, like, like, what? Who says that?
0: Like, it's one thing to ask, (laughs) like, to genuinely ask, like, how come your family doesn't have as much money as mine? And she's just like, your family's poor. I'm like, Ooh, that's, that's, you don't cross that line. And later, uh, Mr. Frensky says, I guess we were too much for Muffy. Francine says, don't call her that. If you have to talk about her, her name is Muff Rotten Stinkweed Crosswire Spit. And then Mr. Frensky, great, great line here. Like, just in the line between a great roast and a dad joke. I'm just like, wow, strangely enough, Rotten Stinkweed Spit is my own middle name. Do you think we could be related? Like, this is great stuff. Uh, Muffy actually calls her from her cell phone from inside the apartment, of just like to tell her she's leaving so she can't, doesn't have to talk to her face to face. And Mr. Frensky tries to convince her to stay by saying, Who's going to play football with us? And I'm like, Uh, pick somebody. Anybody. <laughs> yeah.
1: I can't imagine that Muffy's like some sort of football savant either. All right. She doesn't but, strike me as the type. But
0: Mr. Frensky's just trying to be nice and says, Wish you'd reconsider. And then she says, Uh, it's like, yeah, sure, I'll stay. And then Francine's like, aren't you going to ask me if you can stay? And this is this is pretty cold, but I, I'm on the side of I think Muffy kind of deserved this. Uh, for sure. For I, I, sure. Absolutely. Uh, so Muffy Muffy asks Francine, am I allowed to stay? And she says no, like straight up. And Muffy's like, <gasps> like she's shocked. And then Francine <laughs> follows up with like, you aren't. You've been rude and selfish, Muffy Crosswire. And just, like, totally tells her off. Francine's a little bit, she wonders if maybe she went a little too far. She and, didn't. Uh, uh, no, yeah. no, she didn't. Uh, and she even rightly says she wouldn't. She couldn't think of anybody but herself. And then Mr. Frensky, maybe trying to bend over a little too much for Muffy, but at least tries to justify it. He's just like, maybe it seems that way. But Muffy's just not used to living in a house with different rules. And she's just like, it may be something for you two to talk about at school tomorrow. And just like... Yeah, but that can only go so far. Uh, and then the next day, as Francine leaves the apartment for school, Muffy's there, and uh, to her credit, at least she recognizes her behavior when it's called out and she apologizes. So that's something. And she does apologize for you know being rude and then saying like, uh, I even started to miss leftovers when I went back home. And like, they wouldn't make it for it at the hotel. That's right, it was the hotel, right. And then she has to say one more night at Francine's place, if that's okay. And Francine agrees. And they're still friends. And uh, Muffy even agrees to walk all the way to school, which is apparently a big thing for her, even though it's like five minutes down the block.
1: She has the driver follow them anyway, though, just in case. In case she
0: faints. And she starts complaining about it as the episode ends. All right. So now it's time to uh, take these two episodes in review. Uh, Who should go first for My Dad the Garbage Man?
1: I mean, I actually pretty much have the same thoughts on either one. Really? Uh, yeah. Like, both of these episodes, both My Dad the Garbage Man and Poor Buffy, they're two fairly middle-of-the-road episodes. Mm. I don't have a lot of negative things to say about them. Some All great right. lines of comedy, um, some good morals to each one. Like you said before, specifically with My Dad, the Oliver Frensky character really shines, yeah. both in performance and writing. Uh, I also think Buster had some good lines comedy-wise, but it's got a good message, uh, and it's got a strong conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um I I can't say the same for poor Muffy, but I'll let you say uh, your impressions of my dad first.
0: That actually kind of surprises me because, to be honest with you, My Dad the Garbage Man might be one of my favorites in this season. Mm -hmm. I thought this was really, really good. Um, It's funny how when we were going through it, I realized that it's like with Arthur Cleans Up, the last— half episode, and these two, it forms like an unintentional trilogy of, m- like, Mr. Frensky and his job, kind of, which it's this weird meta-narrative, but this, I thought, of co- like, of course, we've already, we already said it, and of course, maybe this makes me biased a little bit, but I love the character of Oliver Frensky, I think the voice actor did really well, and he's just an immediately likable personality. But I also think that the message that it sent was very good, too, and I thought it was like you said, um, It's a great thing for kids who come from a bit of a lower income in that the social and class differences aren't something that we as kids think about until somebody gives us the idea that it is something to think about. And then it does create a little bit of anxiety. And then by the end of the episode, you know, it's shown that there is no reason for Francine to be uh, anxious or disappointed in her dad or anything like that because he still loves her. He's a great guy and – yeah. There it's it's just a great message to be sent. And it does so with a lot of humor, with a lot of
1: heart. A lot of and, subtlety. That's one of, su- of the it's 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 so crazy to me. Um like as an adult looking back at these episodes, as a kid, I never noticed that Francine was supposed to be of a lower income family than Arthur or me Buster. Either. It never even occurred to me. And I think that shows the strength of the episode of it might seem like it's not teaching us a lesson, but the true lesson is that like it doesn't really matter if your friends have a lower income than yeah. you as long as they're friends. And I think that's a huge strength of Arthur that I never even recognized until we were old enough to see it.
0: Because everyone's living situation is subtly different in a way. But Francine's is probably the the most different because of apartment living and because I'm not sure her, if her mother has a day job, but her father has a bit more of a – I, I, I guess she say, shares a room with her sister yeah, like yeah. they they make they have to make a lot of sacrifices, but it doesn't seem like sacrifice to Francine because it's just her life. Yeah, which is absolutely true from when we were kids of how things are. You just that's the, that's your reality. And that's what uh, and then you kind of form everything as you grow older. And it did so it did so while well fleshing out the world as well, getting to know like the crosswires and brains mother and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. And I just thought this was an incredible uh, addition to the world of Arthur and the Arthur that, canon if yes. you will and I think it was a very strong episode in my opinion uh, okay so I'll just give my thoughts quickly on poor Muffy because I was more interested in what you th- think about it uh, so right away as we got into this episode I realized oh we've seen this before because <laughs> this is the s- pretty much the same idea as the episode The Perfect Brother which was more than a few weeks ago with Arthur and the brain And it's just like it's, you know, the kind of thing of like, oh, it's you know, it's not so great to live with your best friends, except this one uh, is more of a focus on class, Francine's family versus Muffy's family. And you also said you spoken about this episode that um, it didn't feel earned. And that was exactly what I was saying to myself at the end was that, you know, Muffy's incredibly rude to Francine throughout this whole episode and whether or not, you know, not, you know, taking it into account, you know. This is this is where she comes from. She's not used to a house with different rules, all this kind of thing. It really felt disproportionate. Like the explanation and the justification for Muffy's actions didn't fit what she was doing. And then by the end, she kind of apologizes, and then it's and then we're cool. And it and it didn't seem it. I was just like, no, that's you. We're pretty we're pretty rude. Like in if if Muffy was my friend, after all of this. I would probably, like, and I was her age, I probably wouldn't be friends with her anymore. And it, you're right, it, it, did, it seemed uneven, and it didn't really progress her character in a, a meaningful way. I don't think it was a, a terrible episode or anything. I thought it was okay, like you said. And, of course, you know, more Oliver Frensky is great. And I actually thought Francine was very good in this episode, too, like kind of standing up for herself and her family. But it didn't, it didn't do Muffy any favors at all.
1: So, and I feel very similarly about it. I was, you'd, you'd think I would hate this episode a lot more given my previous yeah, feelings of Muffy, but I was on the edge of my seat the whole time Ooh. waiting to see what they did with like, okay, how are they going to resolve this? How are they going to redeem the Muffy character? And so I think I gave it a little bit more leeway with Muffy being awful because I said, okay, with her being this bad, they got to like bring it all back yeah, in the they, end. to They got to
0: release, release that pressure. So
1: I'll say this, I bet, In retrospect, I thought this episode was just okay. It wasn't, like, super offensive. But I bet if I watched this episode again, knowing how it ends, I would have hated it. Mm -hmm. Because... The resolution is made off screen. We never actually see Muffy come to the conclusion that her behavior wasn't redeemable. No, she all just
0: kind of works it out on her own and then
1: comes back. it happens in a scene we never see. We never, like, I've talked before about how I really like the episodes where the kids realize the error of their ways by themselves. Someone doesn't have to tell them it. Uh, Like, they kind of look around and they say, oh, okay, this is why. You
0: can see the gears working in their head as they make the conclusion.
1: Totally. And this episode robs that from us. Like, we have have all this setup of Muffy being terrible without a lot of justification besides her being like, well, I don't know how poor people live. This sucks. Like, as the episode goes on, I have less and less patience for Muffy as Francine does. And then uh, the payoff of Muffy seeing the error of her ways happens off screen. Yeah. So it's actually a fairly entertaining episode as it goes along. But I think the ending, it kind of really whiffs. Yeah. Uh, it is. Muffy and Francine, the exchange they have as they walk back to school is actually fairly heartwarming, but it's just not enough to justify the episode that came before Yeah,
0: it. we didn't really get there naturally. So I would highly recommend My Dad the Garbage Man and then a kind of tepid recommendation perhaps from myself and Lucas on the rest of things. If you could just
1: find the, the clip of – Muffy dancing to the jock jams—that's worth it alone.
0: Yeah, she does like a weird kind of like a weird kind of arms arms akimbo slam dance.
1: The, the situation itself is ridiculous. Like, who just puts down a boombox in someone else's apartment and hops around? She goes, and this is like something she does all the time because she's like, I need my music.
0: Right. <laughs> okay, so there's the episode for you. Uh, let us know what you think about it. All right, so, Lucas, uh, we've just passed Daylight Savings Time. It seems to be n- between light and dark outside right now, so I'll just go through the plugs uh, rather quickly here. So One thing I want to say away. before
1: we go through the, through please, the plugs, please. Uh, I know we say it every episode, but I do want to uh, just give some extra word service to, Uh, Leaving reviews on iTunes. I recently figured out this week that... Uh, when we look at the iTunes store, we had only been seeing the reviews from the Canadian iTunes store. So mm-hmm. I did a little bit of Googling, a little bit of research, and I saw our American listeners leaving some reviews and even a review out of the UK. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what other regions uh, might have left reviews. Of Unfortunately, I had no way of seeing those without just guessing every possible iTunes region. But I want to sh- give a shout out and a thank you to everybody who left an iTunes review. Uh, and I want to, again, remind you, that the best way, besides word of mouth, for our podcast to uh, succeed and thrive and get out there so more people can listen to it is to give it a favorable review on iTunes or even any sort of review. If you don't like it, if you have some constructive criticism, uh, leaving reviews on iTunes is the best way to trick the algorithm into putting our podcast in front of more listeners. So I'm super thankful and keep up the reviews.
0: Yeah, I want to echo that as well. We did so on social media too. I'll just go through the plugs real quick. At the the end we'll get to iTunes and I just want to highlight a couple of uh, reviews here. So first off, Facebook, facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits is uh, how you can interact with us there. Feel free to send us a message or of course you can leave a rating there as our most recent five-star review did. Thank you to Ramona from London. We really appreciate the five-star review on Facebook. And of course you can get all those dank Arthur memes over there. Speaking of Arthur memes, at ECL Podcast on Twitter, we have passed, I believe we're at like 36 followers now, which I didn't think, uh, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't sure that we'd get hardly any, but now that the Arthur memes are catching on, and I'm uh, coming up with those as fast as I can uh, screen cap them. You posted one today that I thought was hilarious. Oh, the uh, St. Patrick's Day one. My body before (laughs) and after St. Patrick's Day? Yeah, I like that one too. Uh, Yeah, if you want to see that, at ECL Podcast on Twitter, or If you're on Tumblr, .tumblr elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. Thank you for all the love we've received over there. We've passed a 100 followers on Tumblr. Very, very appreciative for that. Uh, If you want to send in your feedback, either to be read on the show or not, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Of course, we have a dedicated email section at the beginning of our show. And thank you to everybody who sent in an email this week. Finally, two ways you can listen to the podcast. First off on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Elwood City Limits. That always helps as well if you like to listen on SoundCloud because it helps uh, to find out where in the world you're listening to Elwood City Limits. We've got some great stats uh, from SoundCloud on there. And finally, yes, iTunes. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Elwood City Limits. Just search us up, uh, subscribe, or give it a whirl. And then uh, if you would like, please rate and review. And I just want to say quickly, a Thanks on the U.S. iTunes Store to Susan V. ninety three, Tiffany underscore ninety four, and Jin and Thought for three five star reviews. Uh, Jin and Thought, I'll just read a quick one from you. I don't want to put us over too much. Uh, by the way, Susan V. ninety three, Lucas and Will Rock. Thank you very much, Lucas and Will Rock. <laughs> Lucas and Will Rock. Uh, Jin and Thought says. It's so fun, and it makes me so happy, and we're glad to do it. Thank you. And thank you for the five-star review on the UK store from JadeF03. We really appreciate that.
1: We'll try and check those. uh, And I apologize for my St. Patrick's Day impression at the top of the show.
0: (laughs) Uh, We'll try and check those off and on. So if we don't talk about them immediately, uh, we just haven't checked them yet. And, uh, yeah, iTunes is the way for us to help get the word out. Coming up next week. We are closing in on the end of Season 1. We are almost there, but we have a little bit of a ways to go. And in fact, this is another pair of episodes that I could have sworn came earlier in the show. And I feel like these are two important ones. It's DW's Blanky and Arthur's Substitute
1: Teacher Trouble. Oh my goodness, I'm excited.
0: All right. My name is Will Young. Thank you very much for joining us for the latest episode of Elwood City Limits. Let's put it to Lucas...
1: Free disgusting garbage.
0: Now that I I've, I feel like that's a strong contender for the episode title this this time around, but we'll have to wait and see. For Elwood City Limits, Will and Lucas here saying happy St. Patrick's Day, happy three sixteen, and happy end of spring break. We'll catch you next week.
1: Spring break, forever. spring, spring break,
0: spring break.